Women Taking the Lead, Episode 18. It's so easy to get stressed out by the to-do list, the chores at home, the requests, and we might feel like we need to be more or do more, but we can only do what we can with what we have in that moment. Hello, my name is Jody Flynn and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. Your future awaits, so let's get started. and thank you for joining us today. I'm here with Kim Pisokar, who is the owner of Small Biz Big Breakthrough. And Kim is passionate about helping business leaders take back control of their time, energy, and to-do lists. Amen. So they can have more fun, flexibility, and profitability. She's a contributing author in the Amazon number one best-selling book, Women Living Consciously, and is a regular contributor to the Huffington Post. Okay, Kim, that's just a teaser for everyone. So tell us more about you and where you came from. Thank you, Jody. I'm excited to be here today. So just a little bit about me. Um, you know, I am the owner of Small Biz Big Breakthrough, which is a business coaching and consulting company. And we work with a variety of different types of clients, all the way from solopreneurs to billion-dollar companies, and help them have more fun, flexibility, and financial success. I'm uh, living here in New Jersey. I've been happily married for 14 years. I have one daughter. Her name is Kieran, and she's my miracle child. And I'm going to talk a little bit about um, more about that as we go on in our conversation. Um, you know, before I had my my company, I used to work in sales, and I also have been a uh, I call myself a uh, former corporate refugee. I uh, mm-hmm. spent quite a few years in corporate America. And working in uh, human resources and, um, you know, had a lot of interesting experience. I I started working in corporate America when I was really young. I went right out of graduate school and found myself rising very fast, which was awesome, Uh, but also interesting because at one point I was the youngest director in my function and a lot of people who worked for me were younger than me. So it was very an interesting experience to navigate an organization like that. And to make it even more exciting, I worked with um, a lot of functions like technology and engineering. So I worked with a lot of men uh, in the uh, organizations that had similar backgrounds. And I find that I actually have that happening in my business today. I attract, you know, men who are more technical and stuff. And, you know, they call me the yin to their yang. Um, (laughs) So while I had this like really fun corporate experience and starting my own company, you know, what I do want to share is that, you know, I grew up in a very, very small town outside Syracuse, New York. Like my town had one stoplight. That's how small it was. (laughs) And uh, I was, um, I'm the oldest of four girls. You know, my mom was a stay-at-home mom. You know, that's kind of how it was then, right? My dad was a teacher. And, uh, you know, I kind of, I grew up really with the mindset that you had to work hard right? That's what it was. Like, you have to work hard. You have to work hard for what you want. You know, my father worked many jobs, actually, because, you know, he was a teacher and, you know, we know how teacher salaries are. And so he was always working. And, you know, the only way I was going to go to college was a scholarship. Uh, So I would work hard. But I was also one of those those kids who, even though I was naturally smart, um, people thought I was a little bit of a screw up. And... (laughs) 
Say more. <laughs> so, um, you know, I was one of those people who could, who didn't really need to study and I would get decent grades, but I was getting in trouble. Um, you know, I was hanging out with the wrong people, you know, different things. Um, you know, I was part of like, let's call it the in crowd or whatever, but I never felt like I really belonged anywhere. Um, and so I had a lot of challenges uh, in terms of I'm also a high introvert. So I, you know, had challenges in terms of like making friends, um, of really knowing how to communicate. And I'm going to touch more on on some of the things about, you know, I was told my whole life I was lucky. And, and, and that started when I was in school, that I was lucky I did good work. I was lucky I got good grades. And that stayed with me for a really long time, that the only reason I was worth anything is because I was lucky. What I want to hear about now, because clearly you, you've had success, like you had that rapid um, rise you know, in the, in the corporate environment, taking on different roles. You were very young, supervising people who are older than you. Um, you know, so you've definitely had success in your life and you've, you've gained a lot of confidence, you know, and I can hear it in your voice now, like the, you know, there, there is confidence there, but take us back to a time when you were playing small and you may not have been aware of it at the time. Share with us a story and the lessons you learned along the way. I, you know, it's interesting. Like I think about it, I'm like, wow, there were so many playing small moments, right? Like I can think of quite a few, but one that I want to share is one that I actually don't talk about uh, very much. And um, when I was in corporate, my company was relocating and I decided I was not going to go and that I was going to stay um, in New Jersey and I was going to have a baby and my life was going to be so awesome. And so I left corporate and thinking, okay, great, I'm going to have, you know, I'm going to have kids. This is awesome. And I wasn't getting pregnant and I wasn't getting pregnant and I wasn't getting pregnant. And my husband said, you know, you need to look for a job. You're too talented. You're wasting everything. You know, so I'm like, well, I'll start a business. So then I was trying to start a business. Um, but mentally, like I was not in my best place. And while I was, you know, trying to get pregnant and different things, I um, ended up also finding out I had cancer. Oh, and wow. then, you know, going through that process. And, and I was, you know, in here again, right? Like here again, people told me I was lucky because I had thyroid cancer, right? And people would tell me like, you're lucky it's only thyroid cancer, um, right? Because it could have been breast cancer. Like it could have been worse, right? So I used, I was like, wow, I would not, not even tell people like I had cancer because I'm like, well, you know, it's so insignificant compared to what other people go through. Like it's not right. real like cancer. Right, like it's not real cancer. It was only <laughs> you know? So it was like oh, that whole yes. thing around being lucky just like always played out in my life. And my husband be like, you know, I'd, I went through that and then there was going to be a delay um, before I would be able to, you know, uh, try to get pregnant and stuff. And literally I, I was like, I don't even recognize myself when I think back because I would sit there and my husband be like, Kim, there's these jobs, you know, you're, you're more than qualified. And I would say things like, I can't even get pregnant. Who's going to hire me? Or, you know, we had a business, a side business and, you know, it was around sales. And he's like, you know, why don't you go out and do this? And I'm like, I can't even get pregnant. How am I going to sell anything? Which was so irrational, you know, like looking at it now, it's like, who was that? Um, but my mental space was just in this place that I was only valuable or worth anything if this one thing could happen in my life. And I would hear, you know, 
my mother-in-law, you know, bless her, you know, like, oh, your younger sister's pregnant and, and different things. And I would just feel so insignificant and so small and so much like I didn't matter. And, you know, I finally realized that I was letting myself have value in my life only in one little area, it, you know, and we're holistic, right? Like, not having something in that one part didn't mean I was worthless, right? Like just because I couldn't get pregnant doesn't mean nobody was going to hire me. But in my head, that's what I made it mean. And, you know, some of the things I learned from that is, you know, you have, is being able to control what you can. And when I finally got to that place and I, and I did seek out help to be able to overcome the, the challenges and, and realize that, you know, I can only control what I can control, right? I can't control my body. Um, and as women, I think we, we want to be able to control things like that. And, you know, I can only control like my thoughts and my, my emotions and my actions. And so that's what I started focusing on is taking control of the things that I could control. And this was, you know, this plays out when I was thinking about like my bigger story that I wrote about in women living consciously is, you know, I put such a label on myself, right? I had this label of, you know, infertile, not able to get pregnant and, and made that like my whole life when, you know, labels are just part of who we are, but they're not who we are. And, and that was what really came out of that experience for me. While it was not fun and I don't enjoy it, um, you know, looking back on it, I, I grew tremendously from that experience. And that really shaped like who I am today and realizing my value is so much more than one thing. Oh, Kim, that was really powerful. I could say so much about that, but I really loved that last piece that you were talking about that you can't allow the label to define who you are as a person. Like to some extent, yes, it's it defines you, it describes you, but you can't attach your identity to that label. That's just how other people associate you. And if you fall into that trap, you will live within that label. And I love how vulnerable you got with that story because you are not the only woman I know who, because of struggles in different areas of their life, and in this case, infertility, and I know several women um, who, you know, have experienced infertility and have dealt with it in different ways, but the, the despair that they felt and the, like you described it, the irrational thinking, like your entire worth was wrapped up in your ability to have a child. It consumes your life. And I've seen it happen to so many women. So as you were telling the story, of course, my chest is clenching and my eyes are starting to wa you know, water up. So thank you for sharing that. Cause I know there's a lot of people who are going to listen to this, who are going to go, yep, that's exactly how I felt. That's exact. That was me at one time. So, um, congratulations for overcoming that and for getting the help that you needed. To, to work through that. That's amazing. Now share with us a time in your journey when you had a wake up call, take us back to the moment and share with us, with us the steps that you took that led to your success. So I've alluded a couple um, times to this thing about like being a screw up and being told I was lucky. Right. So I just want to share a little bit more about that. Um, and this started when I was in uh, either middle school or high school. It all kind of runs together. But, you know, I would do things like at the last minute. And I kept being told, like, oh, you're lucky you do such good work, right? I remember my teacher going, Miss Keefe, you are lucky that diamonds are made under pressure, right? That And that became my mantra for most of my adult life. When I would wait to the last minute for things, I'd be like, yeah, that's because diamonds are made under pressure. 
Right. But at the end of the day, so is Cole, right? So, yeah. right? So, but that was my thing. And so from a very early age, I was lucky. And that carried through my corporate career because I still had the same patterns, right? I would wait to do things to the last minute. And, uh, you know, my, my bosses would be like, oh, my God, you are, you know, I'd give them something like right before it had to be presented or a day before, not much of a gap. And they're like, you're lucky that you do such good work and I don't need to make any changes. So I kept saying, you know, I'm lucky, I'm lucky. And I was terrified that my luck was going to run out one day. Right. Because to me, like, well, I'm only talented because I'm lucky. I'm not, you know, I'm not talented. I'm not smart. I'm not creative, but I'm lucky. So I get to do good work. And you have no control over luck. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So it always in the back of my mind was like, is today the day my luck runs out? (laughs) Right. And, um, you know, and I played with that story for a long time. Like things are going to work out. I'm lucky. And like my, um, you know, but in the, the background of that, right. The thing running through my head is like, well, cause you're a screw up right? You're a screw up. You, you don't get stuff done on time. You're disorganized. You're a total screw up. Thank God you're lucky. And when I was 40, I um, had my daughter. She was a year old and I started seeing a, a, a therapist. And uh, one of the things that kept coming up in the conversations was this thing about I'm lucky. And the other story that kept playing in my life was you don't, you're not reaching your full potential. There's so much more and you're not reaching it. And I actually found out I had ADD. And for me, that was just like mind blowing because I was like, oh my God, there's, I'm not really a screw up, right? I'm not really totally disorganized. My brain just works differently. And you know, I just remember finding that out and learning what that meant and just crying because I'm like, I'm not stupid. I'm not lazy. You know, I'm not a screw up. I'm not just lucky. I just think differently than other people. And, you know, now I joke about it, right? Because I work with a lot of entrepreneurs and we always joke about entrepreneurial ADD. And I'm like, you know, you're lucky because I also have real ADD. So think about what I have to control (laughs) with my to-do list. Right. Um, And, you know, I remind myself daily that I am talented and I'm creative and I'm successful. And I actually just to kind of keep myself on the right track, I started writing an evidence log. You know, my evidence is called evidence. I'm on the awesome and on the right path to remind myself that I am doing things and who I'm being and what I'm doing have nothing to do with that person who was lucky. Um, You know, and I, and I've learned how to control it, which has been great. And I've learned all the benefits, you know, I'm like, wow, benefit of having ADD is I get to be creative and, and do things differently. It's, it kind of feeds back to that whole thing around labels, right? Because there again, I had been labeling myself as lucky. And, and then when I got this diagnosis of ADD, I'm like, oh my God, there's one more label, right? I, I can't be organized because I have ADD. I can't get my stuff done because I have ADD. You know, realizing there again, like, wait a minute, again, that's just a label. So I'm really cognizant of the whole thing around labeling people. And that's my bigger purpose and and mission is to help people release the labels of what they think they are or aren't, whether they're self-imposed or given by others so they can let their authentic selves out. And I'm constantly watching, you know, am I labeling me? Am I putting a label on my daughter? Am I putting labels on my clients? Like watching where that's playing out so that I can keep it out and keep it at bay. 
So it's interesting. So this this diagnosis of ADD, I'm sure there were certain things, it structures um, that you had to put in place to support you um, with this diagnosis, not just the diagnosis, but that, you know, now you know how your brain works, what supports you to be successful, but it also made you more mindful of here's another label and how am I going to deal with this? Yeah, exactly. And that was the bigger thing that came out of it. It just, it wasn't just like, oh, okay, I need to take medication. Okay. I need to have, I need to time block and have certain to-do lists and structures. It was like, I really want to be mindful of how I'm interacting with other people and the labels that we give them. Like just because somebody has a diagnosis, it doesn't mean automatically that they are then X, Y, Z. And I think that that happens very commonly where we're trying to make sense of the world and we're trying to make sense of people. And there's a lot of information coming at us all the time. And naturally, the way our brains work is we try to make things simple. So we put people in boxes, we we put labels on them, but then we lose the person and the ability to connect because what we're connecting with is the label, but that's not who they are. That's so true, Jody. I mean, I for the longest time when I started my business, I would not share that story. And, uh, you know, because I was like, I really was afraid initially that if people knew that they wouldn't hire me, they'd be like, oh my God, she can't even like probably control her own life. How is she going to help me? Um, so for me, it was really key to, to, to recognize that, you know, that's just a part of me. It's not who I am. And I actually now like, let people know about it. Cause I'm like, you know what, this is just part of me. And actually it makes me more interesting and more fun to work with. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> awesome. And the other thing, Kim too, that's a great segue to the next thing I wanted to ask you because you know, I'm, I'm constantly telling people, look, there's no one way to lead. Like, right. We, there are all these training courses and workshops you can take on leadership, but what you really need to do is come, you know, go into them with a, with an open mind because there isn't any one way to lead. There are many leaders out there who all do things differently and they're all successful because the way they lead is true to who they are. We're all different and we're going to lead differently. So, how would you describe your leadership style? So I, I think what you were saying is right on, and it's about being authentic. And I, I really feel like, you know, when I was in corporate America, I was a different person. Like, I really wish, like, now I was kind of, I could kind of go back because I think I would be different uh, because I was really trying to fit, like, this is who you're supposed to be. And now I'm very aligned, you know, I'm very clear about my values and what's important to me. And operate in a way that feels authentic and aligned. And, and one of my, you know, when I talk about what I work, you know, what, what help my clients achieve, one of them is fun. And there's a reason for that because I want to have fun in my life. I want to have fun in my business. So I'm all about like, how do we create something that yes, we make money and, and yes, we feel productive, but that's fun. And that's interesting that we're excited to go to every day. Um, and, and I think that's one of the key things is being who you are. You know, sometimes I'm like, are they going to like me? Because I'm kind of zany sometimes when I'm talking in front of a group. And I always find if I try to be who I think someone is expecting, it never works. If I just go out and I'm just being Kim and I'm who I am and I'm very authentic and I'm very transparent, right? Like, you know, I'm sharing stories with you today that – um, you know, while I don't keep them hidden, I don't normally, you know, I don't just like walk around talking about them, but I 
am very much when I work with people and who I am as a leader, I'm like, what you see is what you get. There's nothing hidden. There's nothing secret. You know, there's no other person who's going to show up than who you're already talking to. Because I think that's one of the mistakes I see a lot is people are almost like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. One way, in one group, they're one way. In another group, they're a different way. So for me, it's about being authentic, being who you are. And if I could give one tip in this area, you know, I think as leaders, whether we're corporate leaders, whether we're business leaders or leaders in our communities, we all want to have like our footprint on something. And this was something I realized when I was in corporate, like people would come to me with ideas or their work. And I would always think about like, how do I put my footprint on it? How do I put my spin on it? And I realized I was really taking away. And so I do this a lot with my clients even too, where I think about if is something I'm going to add or say going to add significant value. And if it's just going to move change things incrementally, I just keep it to myself. Because I want other people to realize that what they're doing is more than good enough and it doesn't need my footprint on it. Just taking a step back and allowing other people's to shine and discover their own leadership and their own creative process yes. is what I'm hearing. Awesome. And, you know, when you were talking about fun, too, I was sitting here thinking back, like, about all the interactions you and I have had prior to this interview. And I'm like, wow, she's so right. No matter where I find you in the conversations we've had previously, like, things are going great. Things are, like, stuff's hitting the fan. <laughs> You're always laughing always laughing. And it's so true. You do bring that element of fun. Like it doesn't matter what's going on. That's not an excuse not to have a good time. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I love that. So tell us about one thing that you're working on right now that you're really excited about. So one of the things that I'm really excited about is a summit that I'm going to be doing um, in early summer. And I'm going to be doing a summit, uh, Love Them or Lose Them, How to Create Raving Fans, Referrals, and More Revenue. And I'm excited because I feel like when I am, you know, because I'm so much in the business world and there's so much talk and conversation about bringing clients into your business, attracting, getting, whatever words you like to use. And I'm like, but we forget that we have to really love them. Like we have to really, you know, so like customer service is almost like a big hug, right? That you put on your clients and we're not doing enough to show the people who work with us how much we value them so that we retain them. And I feel the same way about employees and organizations. So I'm building two different summits. One's going to be around clients. One's going to be around employees because I'm so passionate about that topic. So I'm very excited about it. You know, I'm glad you bridged over to employees too, because I was thinking as you were saying that, I'm like, that that's how we lose employees too. If we don't show them how much we value them and appreciate their work. I mean, you can't, you know, dedicate a half a day to that every day, but there are, there are things that you can do that really change your, your team's experience of working with you and what they're able to contribute just just like with our clients and our customers it's you want to create that experience that they they not only got the service or the transaction that they were looking for but that there was something added there was something extra and they were taken care of so i'm i'm really excited about this cuz i've never heard of anything out there that really focuses on, on this particular issue. I've seen blogs and, you know, stuff, but nothing like a telesummit dedicated to this. So that's really exciting. Okay. Now I've got some quick questions for you, kind of a leadership roundup. 
What is one practice that makes you a better leader? One practice that is like at my core of what I what I do daily is around appreciation and really in writing it down, just really being appreciative of what I have, even when it's not exactly what I want, right? But I'm just grateful for what I have in my life and I have in my business. And for me, that act of gratitude and appreciation has been one of the things that has really accelerated my success. Having that attitude of gratitude. Yes. And a lot of people talk about that. And actually, I was listening um, to another woman out there. She's a business coach. And I I wanted to do a little more research on this to see if it's true. Although I do trust her. I'm like, this must be out there somewhere else because this was the first time I heard it. She said, when you're writing, your inner critic gets quiet. Like it, you can't write and have your inner critic yapping at you at the same time. That's why when she she encourages her clients to, you know, keep a, a gratitude journal or write down what they're appreciative for. What well, well, I should say when she's having her clients focus on those things, she has them write it down for that reason. So, you know, your gratitude and your appreciation is clear of any other voice in your head saying, oh, no, it's not good enough or it's OK, but, you know, it could be better that sort of thing. So very cool. What is one book that you would recommend to a woman to help her develop her leadership? So one of the books, I thought about two, but one is, uh, it's called Turning to One Another and it's by Margaret Wheatley. And the subtitle is Simple Conversations to Restore Hope to the Future. And it's all around connecting to yourself and to others through meaningful questions. So it's all around having dialogue. And I, I love Meg Wheatley. And I, I think it's a powerful but It's not a traditional leadership book and stuff, but it's really thought-provoking. Just thinking about how we engage in meaningful conversation. You know, I'm all for the non-traditional. <laughs> <laughs> leadership books because it is that is a component of leadership the ability to have meaningful conversations with other people if you lack that ability oh gosh you must be struggling so that that is a great book I'm going to put that on my list and what is your favorite healthy food so you might get a lot of like fruit and vegetable answers here but when I think about healthy food. Um, you know, my daughter has a peanut allergy, so I do a lot of baking at home so that she can actually have the things that we, you know, she wants to eat. So one of our absolute favorite things that is healthy and yum are these, uh, banana chocolate chip muffins that are vegan and I actually make them gluten-free. So believe it or not, vegan and gluten-free, but they are delicious and they're very healthy. Okay. I know I'm not the only one who's going to want the recipe to that. So actually going forward, I'm going to make a habit of having my guests give me the recipe for their stuff so we can put it in the show notes and people can find it. So if you're out there and your mouth is already watering because you want these gluten-free vegan banana chocolate chip muffins like I do, uh, you can find that on the website. Okay. Knowing what you know now, if given a chance to go back and do anything differently, what would you change? Hmm. This one's a, always an interesting one to think about. Um, I mean, it, even though I got so many lessons, right, about, you know, the cancer and the infertility and the ADD diagnosis, um, if I could have changed one thing, it would be my mindset going through things and 
really taking control of my emotions um, versus letting everything control me, which is what was happening. Tell me more about the mindset. What kind of mindset would you have liked to have had going through all of the challenges you've had? That um, belief that it was all going to work out um, and knowing, like I would have loved, if I had a crystal ball, even if I was going through it, I would have liked to known at the time that I was going to survive. Because part of time, like when I was going through it, I was in so much pain and it was just one of those, like, is it ever going to stop? Um, you know, and it's one of those things you can't change, but I think, you know, belief in myself would probably be what it really comes down to. Like belief that I was strong enough to get through everything. I love that. Cause you're right. We don't have control over what's happening around us and what's impacting us. We can only control who we're being in the midst of it all. And just having a belief in yourself that even though it's really painful and it's really hard right now and you're struggling, like you're strong enough to get through it completely changes the experience that you're having. I, that is so great. Oh, Kim, this has been so much fun. But before we say goodbye to you, share with us a success quote or a mantra and why it has meaning for you today. Okay. So the one I want to share, it's actually by Teddy Roosevelt. And I have a magnet right here by my computer uh, with it on it. It's do what you can, where you are with what you have. And it's meaningful to me because it's a reminder that we can only do what we can do, right? It's so easy to get stressed out by the to-do list, the chores at home, the request. And we might feel like we need to be more or do more, but we can only do what we can with what we have in that moment, And this has been a theme throughout the entire interview is, you know, let go of trying to control the things that you can't control, but like own and take responsibility and do something with the things that you can control. So it's really distinguishing those things out. So you have more power and more happiness in the moment. And lastly, what is the best way for our listeners to connect with you? Um, So my, my website is small biz, big breakthrough. And that's uh, S-M-A-L-L-B-I-Z-B-I-G-B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H. And if people are interested, they can go to smallbizbigbreakthrough.com forward slash know your worth. Um, I have a gift there. One of the things I identified, especially working with women, whether you're in corporate or having a business, is the whole thing around really valuing and understanding our worth and our value and what we bring to the table. So I have a a gift there that helps women identify their intrinsic worth as well as the results they help people get so they can feel really confident when they're having conversations about promotions, raises, sales, etc. Oh my gosh, that's exciting. So Kim, thank you so much for taking the time to inspire and enlighten us. We're all better for having met you. Thank you, Jody. I've been an honor to be here today to talk to you and your listeners, and I appreciate the opportunity.
You can find all the resources mentioned in this episode at womentakingthelead.com, or if you love efficiency like I do, you can use the short link, which is womentl.com, and you'll find Kim in the podcast tab. And if you have a few moments and you're not driving, if you could head over to iTunes and leave a rating and review for Women Taking the Lead, I would greatly appreciate it. It gives me insight into what you like and what you would like to see more of in the show, and it also enables others to find the show more easily. Thank you all for joining me on Women Taking the Lead. And to strengthen you on your own leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson, so here goes. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Again, thank you for joining me, and here's to your success.